Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Open up to Genesis chapter 16. The God who sees Genesis 16, 16, 4. So the situation is growing worse with each passing day. And I'm sure it became unbearable for Sarai. One thing that happens when we stop trusting God, no matter how reasonable our lack of trust seems, is that we tend to blame God, as we see in verse 2 that Sarai did, or other people, as we see in the following verses, for our difficulties. We detect a belligerent note as if Sarai is saying, I know we should trust God for a solution, but God has made things too difficult for me to do that now. Are you there? Are you a person who says, oh, God, you've just made it too difficult, and that's your justification for doing things maybe out of God's order? You know, it, it, we turn it around when we put it back on God. And you might be asking tonight, well, then why, why would God make them wait so long? Well, one reason is because God wanted it to be unmistakable that the child of promise, Isaac or Isaac, his name means laughter. He wanted it to be undeniable that it was a miracle. And God will sometimes do that. He'll make us wait so that the credit and the glory can only go to God alone. And that's a tough place to be in. And Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your maid is in your power. Uh, I don't know how long this went on, but uh, the complaints kept coming to Abram, and Sarai was angry and bitter and mad. And Abram did what many men do in passive response. He said, Do to her what is good in your sight. Okay, honey, whatever you decide. Now, technically, I guess he could do this because she, Hagar, was technically the servant of Sarai. And so Sarai, in this ancient context uh, where there was servitude, she was technically under the power of Sarai, and Sarai could do what she wanted. And that put Hagar in a pretty tough spot. And so Abram says, you decide. So Sarai noticed this is not good. What Hagar does is not uh, great, and what Sarai does is not great, although very human. Sarai treated her harshly. If you have an NIV, it says, Verse 6, Sarai mistreated Hagar. This word mistreated is used later of what the Egyptian taskmasters did to the Israelites as they were slaves in Egypt. She treated her harshly. Harsh words, maybe harsh labor. Uh, maybe everything she could throw her way to do extra work and not get any rest. Well, Sarai mistreated her and mistreated her, and she, that is Hagar, fled from her presence. Uh, Hagar couldn't take it anymore. And she boogied. She bailed. She left. She said, enough is enough. Listen to this. Proverbs 30, 21 through 23 says, under three things, the earth quakes or trembles. And under four, it cannot bear up. Under a slave, when he becomes a king, a fool, when he's satisfied with food. And listen to this, Proverbs 31, 23. Under an unloved woman, when she gets a husband, and a maidservant when she supplants or displaces her mistress. Under such circumstances, Proverbs 31.23 says, the earth shakes, and that tent was shaking. There, it was a mess. It was a disaster. And there are people inside and outside the church, 
and we make decisions and God pours out grace on us, you know, much of the time. But many times our house begins to shake almost like there's an earthquake there because of what's going on in our lives and decision making. And that's what's happening here. It's not a good scene whatsoever. Uh, don't be deceived. Galatians 6, 7 says, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he's going to reap it. And so one writer says, Abram and Sarai treated Hagar like an inanimate, unfeeling instrument, a soulless baby machine. But Hagar became proudly pregnant. And because she had succeeded where Sarai had not, she began to look down on her mistress. Hagar, one writer says, enjoys it as a triumph over Sarai. Sarah, uh, haughty looks were cast Sarai's way. Hagar strutted around her profile, and Sarai said, oh yeah, let me tell you something. And the household became an ugly, ugly mess until Hagar finally left. Maybe in the middle of the night, threw a few things in a bag, some rations, and she headed for home. And for her, home was Egypt. And it was no easy journey. A lot of desert land, and she started to go in that direction. I would say in this story, would you agree that Hagar is probably the most innocent of the three? Would you agree? I mean, she didn't have much of a choice. This was not her dream wedding. This was not her dream way to become pregnant. She was under servitude, and she went with the flow, and now everybody's mad at her. And of course, she did not conduct herself in a way that was becoming her. We know that. We saw her attitude towards Sarai, but we, we can kind of understand it. And now everything's a mess. This child inside of Hagar belongs to Abram, but she can't take it anymore, so she bails. And all of a sudden, she's heading back home, perhaps maybe even back to her gods, the gods of Egypt. And now something miraculous and surprising occurs just when you thought there's no way to clean up this mess. And you may be there tonight. There's no way to fix this. There's no counseling we can do to undo what's been done here. Watch what happens. Now the angel of the Lord, Genesis 16:7, found her, Hagar, by a spring of water in the wilderness by the spring on the way to Shur. Now, Shur is probably near the border of Canaan and Egypt. So she's heading back home, and she's making the trek. And the angel of the Lord finds her by a spring of water in the wilderness. Isn't this beautiful? Because God is like water in the wilderness. When we're feeling like we're in a wilderness place and everything is dry, all of a sudden living waters can flow out from God to us, even in a very dry and uh, desperate place in our lives. And that's where the angel of the Lord meets her. And if you've studied your Bible or theology for any amount of time, you know that many, if not most conservative scholars believe the angel of the Lord is Jesus Christ. And there is solid evidence that this indeed is the case. He is the angel of the Lord. And by the way, this is the first mention of the angel of the Lord in the Bible. Right here is the first mention. And you're going to see why uh, most conservative scholars, I, I believe uh, from my understanding, would agree that this is a pre-incarnate, pre-Bethlehem, pre-before-he-was-born appearance of the second person of the Holy Trinity, that is Jesus Christ. And he appears at a spring of water in the wilderness 
to an Egyptian slave? You know, sometimes when, when I open this sermon, I told you when you're the, the guy that's low on the ladder, the gal that's low on the ladder, and you're not the central part of the story, you might ask the question, does God really care about Hagar's who run off in the night? She's not carrying the son of promise. This, we know Ishmael's not going to be the line that leads to the Messiah. Does God, does God just shoot people off like that? Ah. No, he doesn't. In fact, he goes out of his way to meet Hagar, the Egyptian bondservant, at this lonely well. And he said, look at verse 8. And if you're interested in more study on the angel of the Lord, look at Genesis 22, 11 and 15. Exodus 3.2, where the angel of the Lord is the voice of the burning bush. You can also look at Numbers 22.22, Judges 6.21 and 22, where he appears to Gideon. And later, the angel of the Lord appears to the parents of Samson. And by the way, after that meeting, the parents of Samson look at each other and say, it's a wonder we're not dead. We have seen the Lord or we've seen God. So here's the evidence that the angel of the Lord is much more than just an angel. And by the way, angel in Hebrew and Greek just means messenger. So here, this special um, divine visitation occurs. And he says to her, to Hagar, Sarah's maid, verse 8, where have you come from and where are you going? It's not that he doesn't know, but his questions are remedial. He wants her to open her heart. And she says, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. Just as Adam and Eve uh, in their broken uh, fallenness, God pursued them. So he pursues Hagar in her brokenness and rejection. Where can I go from your spirit, Lord? Where can I go that you're not there? If I go you know, to the depth of the sea or the heights of the, the stars, wherever I go, there you will locate me and find me. Incredible. Where are you today? Running from God? trying to pursue him? Well, God is a seeker of the lost, and this is the beauty of this story. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return, notice his request, this is hard. He says, return to your mistress and submit yourself to her authority. And when you meet the angel of the Lord, when you meet Jesus and, and you've had an encounter with the Lord and, and you can't mistake it and it's the Lord, words that you'd like to hear don't always come out. He sometimes says words like this to you, return and submit. Like, what? <laughs> Anybody else out there? Return and submit. She's traveled a while now. She's getting close to the border of her own home country. Can you repeat that? <laughs> return and submit. When we've made a wrong decision, Sometimes that's what we've got to do. We've got to go back where it went wrong and try to make it right again. You see, some of the responsibility was on Hagar. And after this, Hagar's circumstances may not have changed, but she would be different. And after you meet the Lord Jesus, your circumstances don't always change, but you change. And he might say to you, return and submit. I'll give you the power. I'll give you the strength. I'll give you the perspective Moreover, the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants, literally your seed, verse 10, so that they shall uh, be, be too many to count. Very similar promise as what was given to Abram. In fact, Hagar is the only matriarch, the only woman 
to receive such a promise. This places her alone among the matriarchs. This is it. This is the only place, you know, it's given to Abram and Isaac and Jacob, but she alone, Hagar, is given this promise as a woman. Wow. Talk about a turnaround. Talk about an unexpected divine blessing in the wake of a mess. Have you ever been there before? You're like, God, there's no way you can fix this. I'm just, I'm going back, my tail between my legs, back to Egypt, back to those gods. I'll try them again. And God meets you right there. He says, guess what? You're going to have so many descendants. There'll be too many to count. I'm sure Hagar had to be overwhelmed. I'm sure she wondered if she counted in the eyes of heaven. And the angel of the Lord said to her further, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son. And you shall call his name Ishmael. You see, it's the Lord that gives the name to the child. Because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. His name, Ishmael, means God hears. It's a combination of the the Hebrew word for God, which is El, and the Hebrew word for hear, which is Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Put it together and you get the idea of Ishmael, God hears. And God named the child because God had heard or given heed to her affliction. And as she was traveling, this is my take on things, As she was heading south to Egypt, I think it was something like this. God, if you're real. God, if the God of Israel, if the God of Abram does exist, God, you know what's going on. You've seen my affliction. You know I'm pregnant. You know I've been kicked out. I don't know what to expect. I have nothing. I have no one to depend on. I have no one to take care of this child and no one to take care of me. And all of a sudden, who shows up? God. And he says, name the child. I. I know what's going on in your life. But notice, he will be a wild donkey of a man. (laughs) You're going to get some truth about this kid. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him. And he will live to the east of all his brothers. And if you do a little research on this wild donkey of a man, first of all, the wild donkey is a desert animal that looks more like a horse than a donkey. It's used in the Old Testament as a figure of an individualistic lifestyle, uh, someone who's unconcerned about social convention. And the long history points to the Arab peoples, that the Arab races, which do exist today, and by the way, if you go back to this story, the Jewish people from Abram and Sarai and the Arab people from the line of Ishmael have been in conflict ever since. And this is the birth of the Arab peoples, and they have populated most of the Middle East now. And there's been a constant Arab-Israeli conflict that you can hear a lot about. And it goes all the way back to Sarai and Abram trying to help God out. And what you get is Ishmael. Now, that doesn't mean there wasn't blessings. That doesn't mean that God didn't turn it around for good, as he often does. And she responds. Hagar called the name. See the, in verse 13, the name is Shem in Hebrew, which is interesting because that's the line. And in the ancient picture language, the name Shem means him who destroys chaos. The Jews would not pronounce the name of God as their history unfolded, so they just simply called him the name 
They wouldn't, sometimes if you get correspondence from a Jewish person, they will put G-D. They won't put the vowel there because it's too holy for them to say. And often they'll just call him the name, Shem. And if you look at the Hebrew picture language, the letters mean the one who destroys chaos. Isn't that awesome? He's the God who destroyed Hagar's chaos. And he can destroy yours as well. And she said, you are, she called the name of the Lord, Yahweh, who spoke to her. She said, thou art a God who sees. She called him El Ra'ah. For she said, I have remained alive here after seeing him. You have an ESV. So she called the name of the Lord. On the name of the Lord who spoke to her, you are a God of seeing. For she said, truly here I have seen him who looks after me. He hears Ishmael, he sees me. He knows my name, he knows my face. There's a great scene in Lord of the Rings, I think it's the final uh, of the three, and the king that's been brought back from some sort of possession is out and he's been fighting the battles and he has fallen under this animal and he's crushed and he's dying. And his daughter comes to him and uh, she pulls off, you know, she's got a helmet on, she pulls it off, and he's in his dying moments, and he looks at her and says to her, I know your face. And there's a beautiful moment between a father who's dying and the daughter. And here's what I would say to you tonight. God knows your face. He knows your name. He knows your circumstances. He hears your cries. He knows when you're running away. He knows what problems you have. He knows how you've been ridiculed and beat up. And above all, he sees what you can become. He sees your identity in Jesus Christ. We are so hard on ourselves. And often we are hard on other people. And God says, I see you. I see what you will be. I see you conformed into my image. Don't lose heart. I am the God who sees. I am the God who hears. I see you. What a beautiful moment. And so she named, she, as far as my knowledge of the Bible, she's the only human being, male or female, that ever confers a name upon God in the Old Testament. A couple of major things in Hagar's life, would you not agree? She gets this incredible promise and then she confers a name upon the Lord, the God who sees. And therefore the well was called Be'er Lahai Roy. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Bared. So the well was named New Living Translation Be'er Lahai Roy, which means well of the living one who sees me. It can still be found between Kadesh and Bared. That's the New Living Translation. Translation. So the well was named in honor of this great meeting between the Holy One and between um, Hagar. Notice she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. Remember how I've been telling you that scholars believe the angel of the Lord is God? Well, would you notice verse 13? She called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. Thou art a God who sees. You see, the angel of the Lord is much more than an angel. He is a divine visitation, perhaps Christ himself, which many believe. And so Hagar bore Abram a son. She went back. I'm sure it was hard. I don't know what the initial meeting at the door was like when she rang the bell <laughs> of the tent. 
Hello. Uh, I'm back. Can we talk? Ever had a meeting like that? The Lord uh, met me at a well uh, down near the border. And, uh, well, I'm sorry for strutting around, uh, making fun of you. And maybe there was a beautiful time of repentance and grown-ups trying to be grown-ups. You know what I'm saying? Because they had to go on together for much more than a decade after this, and I'm sure they had to figure some things out. Maybe Abram took some responsibility and said, I'm sorry, ladies, it's my fault. Maybe Sarai said, I'm sorry, in my desperation to be you know, someone who could provide for my husband, I made this grievous error. And then I made it worse. I compounded it by treating you harshly when you didn't deserve it. And maybe there was a beautiful time of restoration. Maybe that's what some of you need tonight. It's hard. Return and submit is a hard command. But Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son, so they're back together as an interesting family, whom Hagar bore. He followed the, the account of the visitation that Hagar most certainly shared. He named the child Ishmael, God hears. And Abram was 86 years old, and he, when Hagar bore Ishmael to him, and the beautiful picture of this angel of the Lord at the well, I leave you with this. Uh, much later in your Bible, Jesus Christ has appeared physically, and he has to go through Samaria. And he meets another woman at a well. And it is interesting that that woman has had five husbands, She's now living with a man who's not her husband. And Jesus said, if you knew who it was who asked you for a drink, you would have asked of him. And he would have given you what? Living water. And so there's an exchange between the incarnate Son of God, Messiah, and this desperate, broken, rejected woman at another well, at Jacob's well. And Jesus tells her about living water and spiritual things, and she's shocked by his insights and all that he knows. And she begins to go throughout the town, and she says, come, come and see a man, if I can paraphrase, who sees me. Come and see a man who knows everything I've ever done. Come see a man who's unlike any other you will meet. The angel of the Lord. Amen. Jesus Christ, Messiah, God who sees. Would you pray with me, Father? Thank you so much for this beautiful account in the book of Genesis. Thank you for the honesty of the story. The Bible's not hiding warts and all. They're here. Poor decisions, pride, selfishness, lack of faith. It's all here. <laughs> That's why we can relate to it so well. For us, Lord, make us people of faith. Help us to learn from our mistakes, our moments when we make decisions because of desperation or tragedy or whatever it is, and we make poor ones. And, and even then, it seems like you're so faithful to intervene and you're the God who sees. The God who hears. You knew what was going on in that tent. But you had every intention to still fulfill your promise through Abram and Sarai and give them a son whose name 
puts be laughter, joy. Oh God, turn our sorrow into joy. When we make poor decisions, would you turn them around for good? Would you pour out your living waters on that saint who can totally relate to the story tonight? Just needs to know you see them and you hear and you know their trouble and you will put salve on their wounds and you will pour living water into their dry places tonight. How many times have we all tried to help God and <laughs> yes. expedite, you know, the situation or desire or need or want and only had to have things uh, not go according to his will? When we speed up the process, Oscar, it, it is really a matter of us saying, I don't trust your timing, God. And that's hard for us to even hear because we've all done it before. But when we get ahead of God, it's hard to wait on the Lord. And then we get the consequences. And I'll just say this, Oscar, on another practical point, and we'll, we'll end with some good news on this segment, is another practical point is that God lets us live with the consequences. Ishmael's there running around. There's going to be tension between he and his brother. And um, there it is. You know, uh, God... God can work it together for good, but that doesn't mean that we don't have to live with consequences. I'm going to park here for a second. Some of our listeners are probably living with Ishmael's consequences <laughs> in their life. Um, not that God can't turn it together for good, but uh, the point is, is that um, if you're in that boat, you can still know that God can work it out for good, but we should learn the, the lessons that we need to learn. You can avoid all that by just trusting in God and his timing. <laughs> Now, as we just discussed, um, Sarai and Abram, can you briefly tell us something about um, Hagar and Ishmael? She encounters somebody as she's running away from her household that she was uh, employed under or own, and she encounters someone called the Angel of the Lord. Can you give us some insight about him? Yeah, Oscar, as we've talked over the years about the Angel of the Lord, it's really intriguing um, number of times that this uh this individual shows up and I think the the consensus among conservative scholarship is that the angel of the Lord is none other than an appearance of the son in the Old Testament before he was born in Bethlehem and he comes and he meets her at a very critical moment he meets Hagar at a very critical moment um, and this would be something called a theophany or a Christophany and, and he comes um, to really give her reassurance that you know she's not outside of God's purview or his sight. He knows what's going on with her. And so the angel of the Lord meets her. He says, verse 11, behold, you're with child. You shall bear a son. And interestingly enough, uh, the son's name, you shall call his name. She tells the, the angel of the Lord tells Hagar what to name him, Ishmael, which, you know, when you take the combination here, it really, it comes from Shema and the name of God, the E-L ending, and it means God hears. So we're going to see in this story that even though things weren't done right, and Hagar, in many ways, you know, she's just going with the program. She's a servant. She does what she's told. And she's, you know, in many ways getting the short end of the stick. And she's told here, you know what? I see what's happening mm -hmm. to you, and you're not alone. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, Go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.